0: peace God speaks of. We can feel peace about circumstances that we ought not feel peace about. We can convince ourselves that things are okay when they're really not. We can say, I have peace, but be gravely wrong. So God says that Jesus has come to bring peace and that peace is important for God's people. In fact, even in the days of Moses, there was a blessing that Aaron was, was to give over God's people, and it says this in number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. See, that was God's blessing for his people. Today, if you're not a child of God, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is what it means to be a Christian. When you recognize that you're a sinful person, but you recognize that Jesus, fully God and fully man, came to this earth and lived a perfect life without sin, the thing that we can't do, And when he died on the cross, he paid for our sin. And when he raised from the dead, he raised for our uh, justification that we might be made right before God. When we say, Jesus, I believe you died for me, that you forgive me, and I'm turning from my sin and placing my faith in you, you are then a child of God, the word of God says. And for every one of God's children, he desires to give them peace. And I pray that today, if you are not a child of God, that you would come to know Jesus that you would turn from your sins, that you would surrender your life to him, and that you would begin to experience peace as you've never experienced it. And if you are a child of God today, and right now you're just longing for peace, and you know the Lord offers it to you, I pray that you have tools today to cling to Jesus and receive his peace in the midst of the chaos you might be going through, in the midst of the fears and the trials, because this is what God eagerly gives. And one day he will bring this thing about in completion where there will be no more sorrow. There will be only peace in the land. Jesus came to bring peace on the one hand. But on the other hand, Jesus makes a statement in the book of Matthew that had me just wondering, how do these things fit together? Jesus is called the prince of peace. He is the child that was promised. And in Matthew 10, Jesus tells his followers this in Matthew 10, 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword, Jesus in his own words. He says, for I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his own cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. How is it that the Prince of Peace says, I have not come to bring peace? Sometimes the Bible has these tensions, and I love them, because they make us pound on the Scripture and say, God, give me an answer here. Help me make sense of this. And I believe what Jesus is doing here, he's telling us that the kind of peace people expect Jesus to bring is not the kind of peace he came to bring. But he did come to bring peace. As the Prince of Peace. And there are five particular ways he came to bring peace. The first way he came to bring peace is to bring peace with God. Peace with God. You see, Jesus himself said, Jesus himself uh, demonstrates to us our need for him. You see, the Bible shows us that we are broken and lost without him. And in fact, Colossians chapter 1 says this about Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And it goes on, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, the word reconcile, we often use in relationships, don't we? When two people need to be reconciled, they need peace between the two. There needs to be harmony where it doesn't exist. And the greatest place In the universe where animosity and strife exists is between God and humanity. See, there is great hostility between people and God. And Jesus came to mend that. He came by the blood, by his shed blood, his death on the cross, to heal the animosity that existed between a holy God and imperfect people. Jesus is the prince of peace who came to mend our relationship with God. That's why the Christmas song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, it says this, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners, what? Reconciled. See, that's what Jesus came to bring. So the herald angels, the, the declarers, the angels are declaring this, saying, God has come to bring peace. This is the kind of peace Jesus has come to bring. Not some kind of peace that is temporary and flies away, but a peace that establishes us in right relationship with God. This is the beauty of Christmas family. This is what the Prince of Peace has come to bring, peace between God and man. Second of all, Jesus has come to bring peace between us with one another. Now, there's a tension here because Jesus himself said, I'm going to bring a sword into your household. I'm going to divide families. And in what sense will Jesus do that? Because the good news of Jesus unites some and divides others. And that's what Jesus is telling us. You see, when the Prince of Peace comes to bring about uh, justice and to execute judgment on the wicked, that just tells us that Jesus' peace means peace for some and judgment for others, doesn't it? And what that tells us is that some people will reject Jesus. They will say, we want nothing to do with him, and we will reject the people who follow Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is, if you come and become a follower with me, some people will reject you. Some people will reject you. Some will be divided. But on the other hand, some will be united. And that is called the church, where people who follow Jesus get together and say, we are followers of Jesus. And he, God has made possible us for us to have a relationship with one another free of that hostility that sometimes exists. Relationships are important, aren't they? And in the church, Jesus has made possible for us to live in unity with one another. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be differences. That doesn't mean that people won't let you down. That doesn't mean people won't sin against you. But what it does mean is that we can look at each other through the lens of the love of God shown to us through Jesus, and we can be reconciled with each other. There's a passage in Ephesians up on the screen here where Paul talks about this relational healing that Jesus has come to bring. And he speaks of it uh, primarily in reference between Jewish people and non-Jewish people, what the Bible calls Gentiles. And this is what he says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off, that's people who are not Jewish, we were far from God's promises. We didn't know of God's, God's hope. You who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both, Jews and Gentiles, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So there was a tension that exists between God's people and non-Jewish people. And Jesus has come to unite the two. and by default, he's come to unite all people who would surrender their lives to Jesus. Now, in our nation, it's, it's reeling in many ways in light of the, the recent shooting deaths of young men in our country, young black men, or the, 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 the choking death of Eric Garner. And there's so many tensions that have filled our country. And what has been clean, seen most clearly is the racial divide that still exists in many of our communities. And that grieves the heart of God. See, when Jesus came to unite people together under the blood of his cross, He's come to bring people together who will come from different ethnic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different languages. And he says they are one together. So when you become a follower of Jesus, when you are a Christian, we are called to walk together with people who look different than us. Why is that important? Because Jesus died to make it possible. See, this is why Christmas is so important, because we're reminded that God sent his Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, to reconcile us with God and reconcile us with one another through faith in Jesus. He comes to bring healing in relationships. And even as you think about your families and all the tensions that might be there, there may be some in your family who despise your faith, if you are a Christian today. There may be some who say, I don't support your faith. And what you are called to do is to love, to not be okay with the tensions, to seek harmony, to seek unity. But we're reminded sometimes that this doesn't happen. Jesus himself says he brings a sword to some households. But as a follower Jesus, you're called to say, you know what? I want to seek peace here because Jesus tore down the dividing wall of hostility that existed, and I want to value what he himself values. Jesus came to bring peace with God. He came to bring peace with one another. But thirdly, he also became to bring a kind of peace in our minds. And I think that's often what people think of when they think of peace. But a peace of mind is important to understand how God would define it. See, in Isaiah 26, 3, God says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. A lot of us long for peace of mind. And what we're told here is peace of mind only comes when we trust in God, and in particular, Jesus Christ, who came to bring healing between our relationship with God. Peace of mind is an important thing. What it ultimately is is this. If you long for peace of mind, this is how the Bible defines peace of mind. It is an unshakable trust that God is in control, regardless of your circumstances. Sometimes we think peace means that everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be fun and happy and dandy and That's not promised in the Bible. But what is promised is that we can put our trust in Jesus. Now, how can we know if our mind is not set on Jesus? How can we know if we are not finding peace in our minds? There are at least three different ways that come to my mind. The first one is this, is is anxiety. See, peace of mind means that your life will be void of anxiety. And that doesn't mean that there aren't anxious situations in your life. I've, I've battled that all the time where I'm starting to feel anxious about the burdens of life, about caring for God's people here at the brook, about my own relations, my own family. But I find peace of mind when I bring those anxieties to Jesus. See, the Bible says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus has come to bring peace of mind so we don't have to be anxious about our circumstances. We can say, I know that God is in control. Because we know in life, sometimes you feel like you're at a carnival. You ever been to a carnival or a theme park and you see those different mirrors they have? You stand in front of one mirror, you're short and wide. You stand in front of another mirror, you're tall and thin. There's another one where you're kind of like wiggly, right? Sometimes even upside down in those mirrors. And sometimes when you stand at home and you look in the mirror, you feel that way. You just feel out of whack. And it's because we need to have our faith and trust in Jesus, who's in control of our circumstances. Our identity can be found in him, and he will put away those anxieties as we cling to him. When we fail to have peace of mind, we also find this, not just anxiety, but oftentimes just fatigue. You just feel tired. You feel restless. You feel like there's nothing you can do to relieve the weight on your shoulders. You feel like the one who goes ice skating for the first time. You know that one, right? (laughs) Standing up and then what? Falling. Standing up and then falling. They do this for about an hour. They get off the rink and they're exhausted. They haven't done anything, though. They might have made it around two laps. And sometimes life feels like that. You're just exhausted and you look back. Excuse me. You look back. And you wonder, what have I done? Nothing's been going on. I'm just tired, but nothing's happening. And so when Jesus, the Prince of Peace, comes, and when we give him our lives, when we turn from our sins, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, it's an invitation to come to me. And that's why Jesus has come in order to tell us, come to him. Come to him and find rest for your soul. Peace of mind means he puts away anxiety, puts away the emotional fatigue, but he also puts away the despair and trials. There are times when circumstances, even some that we haven't created, begin to wear us down, and we're just despairing. And there's no peace in our lives. We're just tired. We're, just, we're anxious. We're worried. We're starting to despair. And here we are reminded of Jesus' promise to his followers. I've said these things, he says in John 16, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will face tribulations, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, Jesus has come to bring a peace of mind. The downcast soul finds hope in God. That's what the Prince of Peace has come to do. That's what Christmas, in part, is about. He came to bring peace with God, peace with one another, peace of mind. And I want to add this fourth one here, peace of conscience. And this is a little more abstract, but I want us to feel this here. You see... Psalm 119, 165, it says this, Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. And what the psalmist is saying is this. When we seek to follow the Lord, when we seek to walk in Jesus' commandments, he will guard our heart and mind. He'll guard our conscience so we can say, God, I know I've sought to honor you, so I have peace now even when things are tough. I know that I have sought to lead a blameless life, one of integrity, so I can have peace even when things stink. Because there's a peace of conscience that comes because of Jesus. Well, we've seen four kinds of peace. Peace with God, peace with one another, peace in our minds, peace in our consciences. But the fifth one is perhaps one of the sweetest as we think about the future. It's called peace on earth. You see, when Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, gives this prophecy that to to us a child is born, a son is given, he says he will be called the prince of peace because God's people had not seen any kingly kinds of people of peace. God's people had not seen a righteous ruler who loved peace. And what Isaiah is saying is God will send one, his deliverer, who will establish peace. And he will come once in his first coming when he was born in that stable. But Jesus says will come again. There will be a second coming. Christmas was the first and there is coming a second day when Jesus will come to this earth and he will establish peace for good. He will conquer his enemies. He will bring about justice and righteousness. And this is the ultimate hope. We have the final hope, the, the culmination of the peace that Jesus has come to bring. And for the... This kind of peace that does not exist for the wicked. Isaiah 48:22. There is no peace says the Lord for the wicked. The one who rejects Jesus, there is no peace. There is no hope. And so for you today, I pray that you would search in your heart saying, "Where do I stand in relationship to Jesus?" Because when you give him your life, you have an eternal hope. You have a hope that will not perish. It will not spoil. It won't fade away. It won't rust. It is secure because of God, because of his Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of hope that followers of Jesus long for and are eager for. Jesus is coming back one day. And when he comes back, he's going to establish his kingdom forever. I found it appropriate as I was thinking about this passage to look at the book of Revelation. I want to read for us. It's a lengthy passage. But I want to read for you so you can get an idea of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn to the book of Revelations? The last book of the Bible, we'll be getting to one of the last chapters of the Bible, Revelation 19. See, Jesus in his first coming came as a suffering servant, one who died for our sins. But he's coming back one day as a conquering king who established peace for good. But his establishment of peace means judgment for the wicked. And by wicked, is for those who don't trust in him. And here John writes in Revelation 19, verse 11, of what that day will be like when Jesus returns. If you're a Christian today, here lays our hope for eternity. John says, then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse The one on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. This is Jesus coming. Verse 12. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one else knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, we're following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will, tr- he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This is a description of Jesus coming down from heaven with his heavenly armies to destroy those who would not give their lives to him, to destroy the wicked, to destroy the followers of the enemy. Verse 17, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of the captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of horses and the riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Picture that. the... The birds of prey saying, there's going to be a slaughter here. The prince of peace is coming, and there will be a slaughter for which you can eat of the flesh. That's what the birds of prey are saying. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his armies. And verse 20, how quick the war was. And the beast was captured. And with it, the false prophet who was in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. It's a passage of God's ultimate pending victory. Not the kind of passage you typically read on Christmas. Christmas. But this is the big picture of God's working family. You see, when God created earth, he created it good. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God, and sin entered the world. It entered our minds. It entered our hearts. It corrupted our beings. And from that point forward, humanity will be separated from a holy God. But God gave a promise that he would send a deliverer who would save his people. And for generations, the people of God longed for God to provide an answer to their sin problem. And they longed and cried out. And Isaiah says, a child is coming who will be born. And he will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting, a prince of peace. He'll be an everlasting father. He will reign on the throne of David as the king of kings. And when he does so, he will execute judgment on the wicked. And through faith in him... Believing that on his cross, your sins were paid for, you can be a part of his family. You could be brought into his kingdom. You could be citizens of heaven. This is the hope of Christmas. And when we just think of the stable and the manger only, we miss the picture. Yes, he had to come. Yes, he had to be born fully God, fully man, to be in our place on that cross. But that's why Christmas happened, family. He came to bring peace and peace for some means judgment for others and we, we must search our heart to say God where do I stand today am I a daughter of God am I a son of God or do I remain as an enemy of God do I have a hope that one day when Jesus arrives I will be with him in his army or do I have the fear of saying I don't know where I will be See, there's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the great God of all. And so I pray, our prayer at the brook is that you would know Jesus. And if you know him today, that you would have an unshakable confidence in him that brings about true peace that doesn't fade away. It's a true peace that's not based on circumstances, but based on God who remains. He will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is stayed on him. Do you have that peace today? Brother, do you have that peace today, sister? Because that's why Jesus came. That's the hope of Christmas. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. This Christmas, my hope and prayer is that you would look to Jesus. You see, he is your wonderful counselor. He will guide you as you surrender to him. He is mighty God who has conquered his foes. He is the everlasting father to the fatherless. He is the one who brings about hope and life. He is the prince who will reign in peace for eternity. In a few moments, I'm gonna invite our prayer leaders forward. And if you don't know this prince of peace, he is eager to know you. We serve a God who is personal, And he wants a relationship with you. And all it takes is for you to surrender your life. And on one hand, that's a lot. On the other hand, it's nothing. Because he came to bring life to you. So will we stand together, I want to invite our prayer leaders. Would you stand with me right now, all of us? Prayer leaders, would you guys come forward? And as we sing this final song, focusing on Jesus, our deliverer, our vision, our hope, I want to invite those of you who have a prayer need today. If you, if you feel that God's just pressing in on your heart and you want to give your life to Jesus, would you come pray with somebody? Or perhaps you just have a burden this Christmas, a fear of the animosity in the household, and you want someone to pray for peace in your home and even wisdom for knowing how to bring about peace, we'd love to pray with you. But let us all lift our voices. Let's sing to this great God, for he is worthy to be worshiped.